Hey, Shepherd family. I know you're seeing a lot of my face this week in digital worship. Pastor Jake was scheduled to do the sermon this week, but he had some issues with his voice and a little bit of healing that needed to take place before he preaches this weekend on one of our campuses. So I'll be delivering the sermon for digital worship. And today we're talking about Jesus and the disciples at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had a conversation with his disciples there, and it was a pretty remarkable conversation. It's famous because Peter proclaims and confesses that Jesus is the Messiah. That's one of the first times in the gospel that one of his followers recognizes that about Jesus. And then in the following verses, Peter sort of fails in his faith, falters in his faith for a moment, and yet Jesus still calls him. Let's reflect on a reading from Mark chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. We're going to pause there for a second. Caesarea Philippi is a notable location because it was known as a collection ground, an assembly ground. It's it's a famous cliff and carved into those cliffs were these cavities that would host idols and temples for all these different pagan gods that were there. In other words, it was a pluralistic society, social place where followers of different religions would gather and sacrifice and worship their own gods. So for the Son of God, Jesus, to come to that place with his disciples and ask them who he really was, the disciples were taking a leap of faith in confessing that he was the Messiah, not one of the many gods that anyone was worshiping at that time in that place, but the one true God, the one true Messiah, who would bring about salvation for the whole world. The reading continues, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Some heavy and challenging words from Jesus as he talks to his disciples, but it's important because Peter was taking what Jesus was saying and setting it aside so that he could interpret and and lay on Jesus his own desires. In the place of Caesarea Philippi, where it was kind of an anything-goes situation, people could come and worship whoever they wanted. It was a celebration of the freedom people have in their free will to follow their own desires. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, that's not the way it is between man and God. There is one true God. There is one true Savior. There is one true Messiah, and it's me. It's Jesus. And following Jesus is hard. It's so difficult that Peter set it aside and said, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? 
Don't you get that the Son of Man, the Messiah, shouldn't be suffering these things? You're talking about death. You're talking about rejection. You're supposed to save people. You're supposed to be the champion of the people. Jesus looks at Peter and simply says, that's not the way it is. You need to set aside those desires in your heart because those aren't from me. And as he continues through the reading, Jesus says, you have to set aside your own preferences, lay down your life, the desires that you have, lay down the direction you want to pursue, pick up your cross, that is pick up the truth of my confession and follow me. We're in the middle of this series, the storm before the calm. This is another example of how Jesus calls us into the storm rather than letting us just escape to the calm that we so often prefer. Peter didn't want Jesus to embrace the storm of rejection. He didn't want him to embrace the storm of being put to death. But Jesus said, listen, Peter, (laughs) this is the way things are. And if you want to be my disciple, he calls over a crowd to teach this to his people, the people that would listen to him. It was a radical, stormy message. The crowds that were gathered at Caesarea Philippi likely were there to worship these other gods. And yet Jesus calls them to himself and says, listen, those who want to be my disciples, those who want to follow me, the true Messiah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be stormy. It's going to be hard. And Jesus knew when he called those people. He knew when he called his disciples. He even knew when he picked Peter as one of the exemplary first Christians that he would fail. He knew that Peter would falter in his faith, that he often would set aside God's desires for his own. Jesus knew this about Peter. He knew this about the crowds. He even knows it about you and me. And yet, what did he do? He still chose to call Peter. He still chose to put on Peter the title of the rock of his church. Peter's confession here in this gospel is mentioned in the other gospels in the New Testament. It's a significant moment, and it's one that we look to as kind of the beginning of the Christian church. Jesus isn't building his church with perfect people, but he looks at us in our imperfection. He says, I'm still going to use you. That's the grace of God's love for us. He knows that we fail. He knows that we pick up our own desires. He knows that we want our own direction in life. And he says, I still love you. I'm still going to save you. I'm still your Messiah. And that means I'm still calling you to set those things aside, pick up your cross and follow me. Set aside the calm you might want and embrace the storm like I did. That's the true joy of this message. That's the true gospel that we hear in this reading. Jesus set the example and he did it first. He embraced the storm of rejection and death so that he could save the world and call a people unto himself that we might do the same. So that's my question for you this week. We live in a society, we live in a world where we are encouraged to pursue our own desires. We almost live in our own Caesarea Philippi here in America where we can pursue any future that we want, any degree in college that we'd like to pursue or any any job in the workforce. What do you want? What's going to make you happy? And Jesus says, that's not the most important thing. I'm calling you to follow me first and foremost. So what's the storm that you would rather set aside? What's the storm that God is calling you to embrace as his disciple? It's not a a precluding requirement. You're already a follower of Jesus. You're already a child of God. And yet he sees you in your failures and he says, I'm still calling you to follow me. 
Think about that. What is your storm? What is the cross that you need to embrace, pick up, and take in your path to follow Jesus?